Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Hi, welcome back to The Coaching Show. I am clearly not Christopher McAuliffe because, I mean, you can just tell, right? It should be very obvious. This is Alex Terranova. Usually you find me as the co-host of this show being ridiculed, mocked, and played with by Christopher. He isn't here today, so we can all celebrate a little bit, take a sigh of relief and enjoy that. And we have some special guests, a guest co-host. We have an awesome guest today. Uh, really quickly, um, if you want to know more about me, I also host the Dream Mason podcast. I wrote a big a book called Fictional Authenticity about a year and a few months ago. Just had a new book come out called Redefining Masculinity, which is really exciting with a group of eight men. We all kind of looked at like how we want masculinity to look in the new, kind of in the new world or a new thought paradigm around masculinity. It was an honor to be included in that book. And you can check out anything I'm up to at thedreammason.com. I'm going to leave it at that because, you know, we'll hear about it from Christopher later. Let's move on to our awesome people that I have here today. Thanks. And just thanks for being with us on The Coaching Show. So we have this special co-host today. He's been here before. His name is Craig Casey. He's an ontological executive life coach, sex and sales coach, sex and sales. Somehow, I, I'm, how do those go together, Craig? Um, and he stands for all of his clients to create lives of abundance, adventure, and authenticity. He's known for his BS-free straight talk, and he brings a lot of love and sass. One of his superpowers is he helps clients shift from being stuck in their heads, it stuck in their heads and helping them become empowered visionaries from their hearts and truly creating an impact everywhere, everywhere they feel called. Craig, thanks for being here. Alex, good morning. Thank you for having me. Happy to be back. Yeah, last time I wasn't here, you took my place and you were with Christopher and I guess he treated you well enough that you would be willing to come back. <laughs> well, there were big shoes to fill. He might've been nicer than me, but he normally is to you. So I think <laughs> he went easy and, and for that, I'm grateful. Christopher, if you're watching, I welcome that same treatment again in the future. <laughs> <laughs> we pick on each other. He's not just mean to me. I'm pretty, I'm pre I, I give it to him just as good. Um, <laughs> Craig, where do, where do people, what's your website? Where do people find you? I know you have a YouTube channel too. Yeah. So you can find me right now on Craig, uh, Cassie.com at C R A I G C A S S E Y. And I'm actually a, you know, big Instagram guy right now. I post every day on the topics of adventure, abundance, and authenticity. Really, how do you play as yourself out loud every day? And my handle is that same at Craig Cassie Jr. C R A I G C A S S E Y J R. Why are you never telling me that I pronounced your name wrong? You know, I have <laughs> I'm like actually. <laughs> I think we had this conversation a few months ago, not to bring you out, but it happens. You know, people are used to hearing a Casey. Um, so be it, you know, I like to say Cassie, rise with classy or sassy, I'll drill it home. But at the end of the day, it is not as important to me to correct people all the time on that. Yeah, I get that. People, um, I'm in my whole life, Terra Nova is pretty, it's like phonetic, Terra Nova, but my whole life people would say, you know, all sorts of things. And I grew up with a dad who would get really mad 
when someone would call and say that, and I'd hear him yell at somebody on the phone, like as if they're supposed to know. Um, and I've been the same way. It's like, it doesn't matter. Call me whatever you want. <laughs> as long as you're addressing There are far worse it. things we could be called. I'm happy being Paul Casey. I think it's a great name if I ever have to choose an alias or change yeah, Cass- you know, my name to a new not one. Hard. It's, not, it's not hard to pronounce or anything. What do you, what do, uh, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your coaching business where we just, we're basically at the end of the first quarter, right? Yeah, basically. So life is good. Coaching is going well. Um, I'm excited that the the next stage of my evolution in business is really empowering people to grow their relationship with sales, uh, especially as those heart-centric entrepreneurs, people who maybe think sales is icky, or they find it to be the least uh, impact-creating part of their job. I love flipping the script on that. And how do we actually create processes that even in sales leave the client or potential client transform before they even say yes to you? So those are the, the conversations I'm in right now that I'm really just loving. And they really do run parallel to a lot of sex conversations, which I know you brought up earlier. I, I love that because I think what I've noticed in in my business is the more I'm excited about something, the less I have to sell. Right. If I'm like telling you about some program I'm running and I'm just excited about it, you're like, I want that. Or if I'm being like very real about something or very authentic, people are like attracted to it. And yeah, there's a conversation about price and whatever the commitment is, but it's like, it's easy. It also is more fun because it's like, hey, if you don't want this fun thing I have, well, that's fine. Let's not waste our time. Let me find somebody who does want this fun thing. (laughs) What about, go ahead. And even in return, you know, someone, if it's not for them, there's always a referral to be given away. And I find that we are vessels for that kind of connective work. We're actually being in service fully for ourselves and for the other person. A lot of the BS drops away and you no longer have those, those conversations where there's a lot of dead space that feels energetically draining. Everything ends up being an act of love to help everybody level up. Yeah. I love that piece about like giving business away or, or clients away. And I think of it as it's for the client, right? If there's not, it's, if it's not fun or it's dull or you're not excited about being on the call with them or they're not excited about being on the call with you. Yeah. You could force it, but the part you're it's, I like to think of it sometimes is like that person's taking up the space of somebody who should be in there and you're taking up the space for them of the person that should be in their life. And when you like bless and release them and send them to somebody who, you know, I always think I was talking about giving referrals yesterday with another coach and they were saying how they refer to people they trust only. And I was like, that's weird. So you make it about the coach because I refer based on the client, like, oh, this client is like this, who would, who might be a good match for that kind of person. And, you know, obviously I want to trust the coach, I don't send, but it's more about the client than, (laughs) than the, than the coach. Yeah, I, wanna... I love what you say. Bless and release. It's like the Mary Kando of coaching. <laughs> Give them some love and let them be served by whoever is meant to take them on their next journey. Totally. I've never been called the Marie Kando of, of coaching. The, well, the how about your tagline, the, Martha, the Martha Stewart of coaching, I get all the time, like, <laughs> like repeatedly. It's it's frustrating at times, but never the Marie Kondo. Uh, let's, let's introduce our guest and bring her in. Um, I am curious her thoughts on some of this. And I got to say, before we start, she's coming to us all the way from Cyprus, it uh, all the way across the world, which we wouldn't be necessarily doing these things, I think is one of the kind of blessings in disguise of COVID is 
you know, everybody's doing everything virtually, but Christina Dimitriades works as a professional leadership coach, trainer, and coach mentor supervisor. And she works with individuals and groups alike, and she does this globally. This is pretty cool. She's been honored and esteemed with an EMCC. I didn't even know. I thought we capped out at MCC here. I didn't know there were more letters. <laughs> um, which glo in Global 2019 Coaching Award, it's the highest recognition for the best practice in the field of coaching globally. That's pretty cool. Um, Christina is an EMCC accredited coach mentor and a, at a senior practitioner level. She's also a certified trainer through the European Commission. I'm going to spell this because I don't know how you said it. It's like Salto Youth, S-A-L-T-O Youth. And I love her motto, lead your life, lead your career, lead your community. And that ties perfectly in with like, she does a ton of pro bono work and volunteer work. She works with the EMCC Global Work Groups on social, social Responsibility, Climate Change, NGO Friends Forever International, which focuses on youth leadership in conflict areas, uh, the OWATT, which is One Woman at a Time, focusing on empowerment of abused women and their education on their human and legal rights. Uh, we're not doing enough, Craig. That's just what I just became aware of. I mean, I'm Christina, inspired, but <laughs> Christina, thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you for the invitation. It's lovely to meet you and Craig. Did, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> did um just before we jump into some things, did did anything that we talked about? Is, do you have any thoughts? I always like just I mean, if if you do have any thoughts on anything we were just talking about, I'd love to hear them from your perspective. Mm. Well, I did resonate with what Craig said about um people feeling a bit iffy about sales. I'm one of them. <laughs> I'm one of them. But then what you said made perfect sense. You know, if you talk with passion about what you do, because you feel the passion and it just oozes out of you, then it just, you know, happens organically, I guess. And I do agree with, um, there's the right person for, for everybody at a specific point in time, because um, that's a matter of personality. You know, it's like you go to the doctor, not to say that the coach is a doctor, but it's like when you go to a doctor and you want to have some chemistry with the doctor to, you know, you, you want to be inspired trust or at school, you know, some teachers inspired you and some others didn't. It didn't mean that the ones who didn't were not good at their job because they inspired other students, but you know, you need that personal click. And I think that matters. Yeah. I think that a lot with, uh, I think that same thing with dating too, right? I sometimes I'll go, gosh, it's pretty amazing that there's someone for everyone. There's actually probably more than one, but there's like the, you know, the people that don't like you, someone else is obsessed with them and, <laughs> and vice versa. Right. Um, I know that you, uh, I know that I was reading a little bit about you and there's a conversation about the democratization of coaching. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I thought was like, what does that even mean? Like, all right, I know what the words mean, but what does that mean, the democratization of coaching? That's a great question. Well, it means um, moving from C-suites, you know, having coaching as it has been in the last few decades available to CEOs and professionals of that level, moving from that to, let's call it the streets. Uh, so my argument uh, and my belief is that coaching 
is so great that it can help and it should help everybody. So instead of having it as a luxury, I feel that it should be a right. You know, not, not a luxury to the few, but a right to the many. Uh, and it's because I really believe in coaching as a methodology that I, I myself chose, opted out of a permanent secure career in the government here in Cyprus. So um, I've seen it work. I've seen it with me. I've seen it with lots and lots of clients. Uh, and I've seen how it has grown throughout the world. That's why, you know, I want to work globally because I want to um, absorb and also offer as much as I can. For example, um, in this context that we're living and calling to being called to function in right now, I think coaching has a, is very powerful and it's gaining ground. You know, people's needs are changing and what we can offer to them is also changing. And as you said, you know, this is happening digitally now. Right now we're having this interview on Zoom, which, you know, two years ago we probably wouldn't have or wouldn't have thought of it so easily, let's say. Um, now we can do lots of things online. I'm just coming out of a project. Uh, I had the, the joy and honor of co-leading a project, social responsibility project uh, in Nigeria through EMCC Global, through the work group on, on social responsibility with a colleague in Malaysia. I mean, you know, we had volunteers from 16 countries, five continents, and we all came together to impact the, the lives of, of young underprivileged people in Nigeria. And I've never been there, you know, and I don't even need to go there to do a project there to create positive impact. There's so much that needs to be done, <laughs> that, that can be done. And we're all blessed, gifted with many talents and many different passions so we can all pitch in in our, in our own unique way and, and stay playful and creative while we're doing that. Stay alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly living the dream there. And Christina, I, I understand now the democratization of coaching on the macro, but I'm curious as you see it, if we're looking at like the micro impact this creates, um, can you give even more of a, a direct example of how you see our community of coaches needing to evolve to actually have that be the result? I think that's, that's an excellent question. And it takes me instinctively right back to values. Um, there are, well, our values, our core values define us. Yeah. If, if I believe in um, integrity or humility or um, impact, inclusiveness, sustainability, it will define, it will shape who I am, how I behave, not only in my personal life, but also in my professional life. Hopefully I will want them to be, I will want all my activities and behaviors to be aligned with my values so that I get a, a feeling of fulfillment. Now, coaching, especially in the COVID-19 era, has been observed, and this is anecdotal, in, uh, through speaking with a lot of colleagues all over the world in the past year, it seemed to be on the rise because it's well, let me say how it is. It's more fashionable. Yeah, it's quite popular. And it sells. And uh, it sometimes presents itself as an easy solution. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to argue about that. <laughs> if it's right or wrong or whatever it is, live and let live. There's something for everyone. And we're all on a, on a learning journey here. Yeah, well, I, I don't pretend to know everything. I don't. 
Um, and that's great because then that means I can stay excited and learn. But if we talk about democratization in our community, our global community of coaches, we need to ask ourselves, who among us is it that cares about something like that and why? It connects with, um, with who we are on an existential level. That's why I went straight to, to values. You know, where, where do we draw meaning from in the things that we do, in the things that we say, in the relationships that we have, in the relationships that we begin or that we end? How does that shape meaning for us? Because without meaning, life becomes really dull, boring, depressing, and dry. And we don't want that. Um, so back to basics, introspection, what are my values, what defines me and how do I want to express or externalize that into the, the community around me? So one word that, well, two words that have gained new ground in this, uh, past year or so are solidarity or social responsibility. Now let me take solidarity. If we are a global community of coaches with aspiring coaches, veterans, um, creative coaches, there's so many types of coaching anyway. How about we practice solidarity amongst ourselves and therefore democratize and honor our pro profession amongst ourselves in, a, in an internal micro way? I hope I'm answering your question. You're nodding. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Great. Um, so, you know, if, if we support each other, very simply put, you know, if we um, care about the impact we create through whatever we do, then we become more responsible. And I'm really all for responsibility. And that goes hand in hand with leadership, actually, on, on four levels, if you like. So we've got the personal level, personal responsibility, personal leadership. You know, the ability to lead myself in any context, be it personal, professional, social, whatever it is. Then we've got the communal responsibility and communal leadership, how to be a leader in my own community. It doesn't mean I need to be the boss. You know, that's um, an ancient sense of leadership, let's say. It's a, we've overcome that. Well, we are overcoming it, might I say. Um, so what... What is the best that I can do? What is the best version of me, if you like, that I can bring into my community? My community might be my neighborhood, my family, my volleyball team, my um, whatever it is, you know, my, my group of friends, any group that I feel a sense of belongingness to. And after communal responsibility and communal leadership come social responsibility and social leadership. So that means we zoom out a little bit more and we're talking about a society or a state. I mean, in the case of the United States, you've got states, Cyprus is so small that we can only talk about the national level, yeah? <laughs> um, and then we've got the global level. So if I want to be um, a responsible global citizen, to go back to the chat that Craig and I were having earlier, responsible global citizen, it means I'm, I will believe in myself as a global leader in whatever I bring with me to share and whatever I want to develop, because it's not just what I bring, it's what, what I want, you know, co choosing consciously. 
who am I? Who do I want to be? How do I want to create my impact? Not my impact. It's, you know, it's not about me. But on that, let me share something that I always find very interesting. The ancient Greeks paid a lot of attention to what they called hysterophemia. Hysterophemia. This means the reputation they had after death. Why would you care about what people say about you after you die? I mean, you're not going to be here to, to feel good or bad about it, right? But it's about all about the legacy, the legacy that I leave. What is my imprint? And a question that I really love is, what if my descendants had a conversation with my ancestors? What would they say? about me and what would they say in general? Christina, that is such a juicy question. And there's so much in what you said, you know, the, the things that really hit my heart over here were the identity shift between just being a citizen to being a global leader and whatever that looks like. Like if, if the onus was on us, uh, how would that change how we're showing up? And really that last question you asked, what if your descendants had a conversation with you know, the ancestors, and you were one of the ancestors, I pair that with your statement around, are we being in integrity? If we aren't democratizing coaching, and I don't think I know a single coach out there, Alex, you can, you know, check me on this, but I don't think I know a single coach out there who doesn't want anyone and everyone to be impacted. And I certainly see a gap, even in my own life, of maybe where I'm stopping shy of, enrolling or teaching or giving people access to coaching in a way that really could have that kind of global impact. Fantastic. I, I, want, I want to add on, cause I think there's a question right there, right? That I heard a statement from you, Craig, but I think there's a question and that, and I think you were tied onto what I was going to ask, which is there's, it seems like there's two types of coaches. I'm very much generalizing, right? There's coaches that have thriving businesses and are making so much money and doing so great. And then there's coaches that may or may not have be very great coaches, but they're struggling to actually, you know, pay their bills, make their living and really make it their full-time uh, business. And what I, and I love what Craig said, cause I think most coaches I interact with the same, it's like, they'll coach anyone, right? They want to get better. They want the experience. So the question I think I have is whether you're a coach that's in the beginning you know, maybe you haven't built up your business and you're trying to figure that out or you're a coach that's, that's, I'm putting air quotes, like made it. How do you start to participate in the democratization? How do you start to give back? Because that's the first thing I'm thinking is where are, you know, how can I help? How can I coach people that, I think the people that need it and want it, right? Versus the people that you're just like, oh, I'll give, you know, they'll take a free session, but they don't really, they're not really appreciative of it. Shall I go first? Please, yes. Love, yeah, this I would is for love you. Craig's, thank you. I would love also to hear Craig's uh, take on this from a maybe a sales coaching perspective. Um, I think the answer is really simple. And then I'll, I'll say the simple part and then I'll ground it. So I think simply, it's, you know, what you can do is to care. Uh, how do I mean that in practice? Well, if... If we uh, agree that our most valuable resource is our time, because whatever time we give to something or someone doesn't ever come back, yeah, we invest it, then I can, 
I can decide how much time I will dedicate to my coaching practice or my coaching business. And then I can dedicate a small portion of that time to someone who wants to be coached because, I mean, that's, I think that's really important. We, to, to enter a coaching process takes courage because there's change coming. And if we're not ready to roll our sleeves up and work for that, then there's no magic pill that will make everything go, you know, glittery. Um, we, we can make it glittery ourselves, but, but we need to want it, yeah? So I can dedicate a small part of my time to offering coaching to someone who cannot at all afford it, but really wants it. Um, and this can happen in many ways. I'll, I'll give one example. While I was um, in the board of directors of EMCC Cyprus, by the way, EMCC Global is, is a global um, professional body for coaches, mentors, and supervisors. I know in the States, uh, ICF is more popular, more um, predominant, but this um, is EMCC Global is very, very much developing. It's very um, uh, strong in many other countries around the world, mostly Europe, but it's also in the Asia Pacific region and it's been developed in other areas as well, also Northern America and Canada. So uh, while I was uh, working with EMCC Cyprus as a volunteer on the board of directors, I developed um, with the help of colleagues, of course, an NGO solidarity coaching project. Now, what this was, it offered the opportunity to NGOs in Cyprus to receive, to, well, to one or two employees from each NGO to receive coaching services, provided that they wanted them. They had, you know, there was an identify, a needs analysis to identify needs. How can we uh, match coaches with coaches and all that? And then we had volunteer coaches and volunteer supervisors, but the volunteer coaches would, would offer six to eight hours over a period of a few months. So it's not that big a commitment. You know, you don't really have to sacrifice anything. You gift it. And on that, let me say that whatever you do, it comes back. I don't mean in a, you know, in a hippie way. I mean, we could, we could have that discussion if you want, but I mean, you're advertising yourself at the end of the day. You're advertising your profession. Coaching in Cyprus is not as developed as it is in the US. We are way behind in terms of everybody knowing what it's really about, yeah? So it's raising awareness about the profession, raising awareness about what it can give someone and offering someone a positive experience. And then you, 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 know, you let word of mouth do its magic, especially in a small community like ours. Like I, Really, I had my coaching practice for about eight years before I even made a website. And I never, ever, ever advertised because word of mouth did its magic. And then, okay, I, I moved outwards globally. I work globally now. So I do need to have a digital footprint, a digital presence. But all in all, um, if we care, Alex, then we make the time, even if it's just one hour every two months or one hour a month or whatever it is, whatever it is. Thank you. Well, is there, I think the thing I was looking for too, is like, is there a place to go if, if I wanted to, do I go to EMCC and I can like sign up to volunteer for these opportunities? Definitely. Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if you go, it's it, EMCC Global is one and it has different work groups depending on what you care about. Like I care about social responsibility. Sure. So I joined that work group and then I care about climate change. So I joined that. There's other things you can 
volunteer for like uh, professional accreditation or ethics and standards, you know, with the code of ethics and stuff. Um, supervision of coaching and mentoring. There's, you know, different things that you can contribute to and also, yeah. of course, gain by learning. And I, like EMCC, sorry, just to, to no, share no, this, please. there's also other communities. There's a lot of communities out there. And I'll mention just one other one other that I joined and I'm happy to be part of. It's the Climate Coaching Alliance. There's a lot to do in that area. And I'll stop it here, give you back the floor, yeah. No, that was that was um, great. I, I, there was something I was going to ask you that in what you said, and I lost it. Um, what's Sorry. the? I, I, I'm going to go back for a second. What's the the impact that you see when you just talked about two issues that are really important to you: social responsibility, climate change. How do you see not just your work, but coaching making a dent or an impact in in like just say those two areas? Great. Well, as I said earlier, I think coaching is a great methodology. Why? Because it transforms us into agents of change. You know, through coaching is transformational. You don't enter a coaching process and exit the same person because you, you set your goals, you achieve them and you grow, you move forward, you evolve. So if we have, well, of course we have good intentions, yeah. If we ground these good intentions into targeted action, whatever that may be to every single one of us, I mean, of course we're going to do things differently. Um, it, it all comes down to self-awareness and taking responsibility for our part of the world. Um, there is a, you know, I did mention climate change uh, and climate coaching. There is a non-uniform take on this among coaches, I believe that, you know, not everybody feels that we should be caring about climate coaching. And then there are other coaches that feel like, yes, we should. Um, and that connects to what um, Craig asked me earlier and how I talked about our values, yeah? And, and our motivation for becoming coaches. Does every coach want to see social impact? Maybe not. Maybe they want to see organizational impact. Maybe they want to see personal, individual impact. But it, it depends how um, we perceive our own selves. That's why I said self-awareness. And how we, to which degree we allow ourselves to envision about the future. If I see myself as an agent of change, because coaching grants me that, yeah? If I see myself as an agent of change, then I can go out there and create consciously, targetedly, specifically create positive change through that agency, through my skill set as a coach. It doesn't mean I will ever impose anything on anyone. And it doesn't mean I have to be an extreme activist. I can't be an activist. And I think this is a form of activism anyway, you know, to, to bring consciousness into my. Uh, my being into my behavior. Um, but the, the key words for me are self-awareness, responsibility, and leadership. If I'm a leader in my role as a coach, then uh, I will look at the big picture, look at the macro, and then align it with the micro, with, with me. You know, if I'm a part of a whole, 
then how do I best fit in? And how do I maximize my time on earth? <laughs> However that sounds, you know, this is really, really how I feel about it. How do I make these days count? It's not an easy life. <laughs> so why don't I make the most of it while I'm here? Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McCullough brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcCullough.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcCullough.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McCulloch is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McCulloch, Master Certified Coach. I love that, Christina. I hear the both the reality and your playful being matched in your desire to create impact. And I keep hearing these, these words you bring up. We have consciousness, intentionality, uh, living in integrity with your values. And I don't know about you, I relate to those as having some form of spiritual underpinning. And when we gain access to more of our own consciousness, right, we're able to really pursue more alignment. And I'm curious, when you are looking to really change the world at multiple levels, and you're working with your clients, what role does the spirituality play in, in those conversations? Or how do you see coaching as possibly a spiritual channel or not? Fascinating question. I do have a holistic approach. So I do acknowledge the, the spiritual side of everybody. You know, we have, as I see it, we have a physical body, we have a mental body, our mind, our thoughts, we have an emotional body, our emotions, and a spiritual body, which uh, connects to soul, if you like. I don't work with that necessarily in the type of coaching I practice. So I don't see myself as a, a spiritual coach at all. I see myself as a spiritual person. And I do bring that into my work as much as I bring myself into my work. I don't mean my uh, subjectivity, my subjective nature as a person, because I try to keep out my filters, yeah? But I bring it in in terms of who I am at the very core. And again, I go back to values. So inclusiveness is a key value for me. If I want to be inclusive and empathetic, if I want to be inclusive and empathetic towards my client and they are a spiritual person, then I need to be in a position to really hold a space for them that will be valuable for them and help them transform in the way that they want. 
Um, now, on a on a personal level, I was raised as a Greek Orthodox. I don't think of myself as a religious person, but I'm, I'm pious in my own very personal way. And I've studied many different religions. I've visited many different temples all around the world. Um, and I, I, I love the, the sense of home that I have felt in every single temple that I have visited, which was completely different to mine. I do have a nice experience to share, actually, a nice story. I don't know if, <laughs> if you guys want to hear it. Share it, please. Yeah. Sure. So when I was in, how old was I? 23, I think. I went to India. It was the first time I had traveled to the East. And um, a friend of mine who was hosting me took me to this temple. And the, it was the first time I was going into a, a Hindu temple. And there were, you know, we queued for, I don't know how long, it was a really important temple. We queued for a long time to enter in the end a tiny, tiny room which was filled with a massive golden statue and flowers everywhere that were rotting. And, you know, the smell of the rotting flowers made me feel nauseous. So that was not a spiritual experience for me. So I left there with this, you know, tons of questions in my head and, and very deep self-reflection. Why did I feel like that? How, you know, am I... Am I putting my own um, limiting filters and processing the experience through that and all that? So after that, we went to one of his auntie's house and she was a very cultured woman and very um, wise. And she said, she was narrating how her, her father, when she was little, now this was a woman in her 80s back then, I'm saying back then, it's been a while since I was 23. Yeah. Um, and she said how her father always told her, you know, growing in a in an environment where there were many religious, many religious, many religions coexisted. Her father always told her that don't worry about any of this, God is everywhere. And that was it for me, you know, the coin dropped. Yeah. God is everywhere, even in the rotting flowers. And immediately that became, you know, an experience that was, you know, the, the coin flipped and it was very powerful for me and very revelational for me that, yeah, I mean, even, even in all the things that I can see as ugly, depending on how I've been conditioned, which part of the world I grew up in, what I was told to believe and so on and so forth it's fine, you know, it's still life. And if it's life, then it's divine. It has, you know, it, I mean, how do we um, create life, really? We, no, one, no one can really um, hold the soul or whatever we want to call our spiritual dimension or spiritual body. Does that make sense? Oh, completely. I mean, not to imprint my own beliefs there, but when you say that God is everywhere, that I think is what my personal end goal would be for democratizing coaching. It's actually giving people access to their spirit. And even as a sales coach, you know, spirit is one of the, the ways that I lead these conversations because the clients that I work with, they want to create change and help heal the world and 
want to do everything in a way that actually brings spirit forth. And that just seems to be like where they stop. So, you know, you shared before the different ways to volunteer and to support through, you know, EMCC or elsewhere. And I'm just reminded that any opportunity we have to even uh, give people access to the process, even shed lights on, you know, kind of what our coaching conversations are, demystify what coaching is. There are so many people out there who aren't in these C-suite level conversations. They don't know the gift of having um, a partner just to be curious with you, not to tell you right from wrong, but just to stand for you to believe in yourself and pursue your own truth. And once they get a taste of that, and all of a sudden the narrative is, oh, I have a truth. Oh, I have the answers. Oh, maybe I could. Um, that to me is such a, an essential component to the work that we do and, and really what I hope would be the result of letting more people into this, this loving process. Amazing. This loving process. Yes. Thank you, Craig. Precisely. I want to, there's more we want to ask you, but I just want to give a pause for a second and tell people where they can like find you. So your website, I'm going to spell your name and it will be of course in the show notes. Um, but it's Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. And then the way you spell Demetriades is D-E-M-E-T-R-I-A-D-E-S, just like it sounds. And then it's .com. And we'll put that in the show notes. But I noticed when, and this is what, well, actually, before I even say this, um, are you on social medias? Can people find you in, as that, in that way also? Yeah, yeah. If you go to my website, you can uh, all those things. Uh, from click there. on Facebook page and Instagram and, and LinkedIn. And LinkedIn also. Well, it's on uh, on Facebook is at Christina Coach, and then Instagram is Christina Dimitriadis. Sorry, I have a very long name. I know, but hey, <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> um, I as I when I was looking at your website, I saw something that said "Puppets for Peace," and you can't have a conversation with someone that has puppets for peace on their website and not talk about what puppets or peace are for. So <laughs> will you tell us what, what is up with puppets for peace? Yeah, sure. Wow. That was, that was a project I did a few years ago with a fellow Cypriot, a Turkish speaking Cypriot. I'm a Greek speaking Cypriot in the context of peace building. So this was a, a creative entrepreneurship project. We, you, you know, the Muppet show, yeah. So yeah, um, there, there was, well, this was in two words. It was a puppet show made in Cyprus that promoted Cyprus history, heritage, uh, geography, uh, languages. You know, it promoted awareness about Cyprus because, um, as I said, this was a peace building con uh, project in the context of the political division that has been going on for um, about 50 years now, because we Cypriots have, and this is again, you know, I'm just gonna come straight with it, my personal view, we have a conflicted or confused identity. Greek Cypriots have, we have been um, conditioned to see Greece as our motherland and Turkish Cypriots have been conditioned to see Turkey as their motherland. So where does that leave Cyprus? You know, you will, you will ask people on the island, some will say, I feel I am Greek. Some will say I am Turkish and they were born and raised in Cyprus. And some like me will say I'm Cypriot, Cypriot Greek. I mean, 
yes, I have a Greek heritage and that's a layer of my identity. That's a part of my identity that, you know, I can't deny. And I'm glad it's there because I love myself. I have come through a long journey to love every layer of my identity, of myself. But it doesn't take the Cypriotness out of it. And might I add, I mean, this is, you know, again, the micro and the macro. Zooming out, at the end of the day, this is a tag and there's a bigger tag that says global. So coming back to Puppets for Peace, this was a, a Muppet show, let's say, quote unquote, um, for kids, for little children. And it had um, two versions. It was for TV and it had two versions, one in Greek, one in Turkish. Um, so we spoke about, I don't know, Cyprus castles or Cyprus rivers or Cyprus flora and fauna. We had a, an episode on Cyprus bats. We have a few interesting species of bats in Cyprus. Um, we have medieval castles. You know, there's a, as, as a place that has been conquered for millennia, Cyprus has an extremely rich history and it's very interesting. And we don't really learn a lot about that at school. We don't learn enough. We learn more, you know, if, the way I grew up. I learned more about Greek history than Cyprus history. So we wanted to, to raise awareness about our common heritage, about our common identity, and about our common responsibility towards this island, which is still politically and physically divided. Thanks for sharing that. It's I love that I have a big vision of um, wanting to create lots of media that can impact people, right? Where the media that we typically consume is like action oriented or love oriented and not, none of that is bad or wrong. You know, you can have whatever opinion you have of it, but I'm convinced that we could have media that's entertaining and yet also growth oriented and so you don't feel like you numbed out necessarily for, you know, two hours. You could feel like you relaxed, but you also took something away and walk away from something. Um, and that's what I hear you did there. I love the the idea too of that culture. I mean, I think the United States deals a lot with this, right? We teach essentially the white version of American history. And and I would I, I would I would I would argue that almost any group, the dominant culture tells their history. And the more oppressed groups, their history is lost or you have to dig for it. Um, so it's, it's not a, right, it's not a Cypriot or an American. It's, it's kind of a, a dominant oppressor problem all over the world. Um, that's very cool. And I bet it is very interesting. What do, you, what do you want coaches to hear that we haven't asked you? Is there anything that you feel like could make a difference for, you know, coaches that are developing in the middle of their process that, that you could share? Hmm. I would like to prompt, especially uh, arising colleagues, emerging colleagues, to think about their voice. You know, what, what, does, their, what does their personal message look like to the world, you know? Um, aligned with what I've been saying about personal responsibility and expressing that into our professional roles as well, lead your career and personal leadership in that, professional leadership, if you like, then, okay, if you can be an amazing agent of change through coaching, then what would you like to change? What would your message of change be about? Yeah, I'm happy with that. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, you, you're reminding me, I developed a, a tool recently where I basically, it's, and I'm not going to go into all of it, but basically the idea is I love, cause you keep bringing it back to like your legacy and what you're committed to. And I have this theory that I don't know that I'm the first one to think of this, right? I came up with it, but um, that when you're who you are, who you truly are runs directly head into what you're committed to. That's where magic happens. And, um, but we have to know those answers first, right? We have to know who we are like on a, on a deeper heart soul level. And then we have to know what we're committed to. We have to be really clear on those things. And it's, it's almost like a, a Venn diagram and that thing that's in the middle is where you put your energy and your effort. Uh, yeah, I think it it goes back to values. Like again, yeah. I take us back there. If if what you do is align aligned to your values, then magic happens, as you said. But you first need to know your values. And and self awareness is something that is not generally taught in schools. You know, you, at least I wasn't taught how to be self aware. I was taught about how to be socially conscious, if nothing else. You know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you, if you embark on a journey of self-discovery, you will also discover what you care about. And then you can bring, bring that into uh, fruition, into action. And self-awareness, I, actually, that's a nice um, addition here, I think. Self-awareness is the cornerstone of emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence has been on the rise in the past few decades because it has been uh, unfortunately neglected, outcasted uh, in favor of IQ, uh, let's say academic intelligence. Now, people are born with their IQ and there's nothing they can do about it. They can do stuff that uh, justifies it, brings it out, let's say, or not. But they cannot, we cannot uh, increase our IQ. What we can do is work on our EQ, which we can increase forever, for as long as we live, because that ties, it goes hand in hand with lifelong learning. As long as you're learning, you are increasing your emotional intelligence. And what is emotional intelligence? It's basically two chapters. It's well, the first one is myself. And the second one is myself and others, myself and the world around me. The first chapter myself splits to self-awareness, which is the cornerstone, the first step, the first necessary step and then self-management. What does self-management mean? Well, it means self-leadership. You know, if I'm gonna manage my emotionality and we are emotional beings, we cannot deny that no matter how much we deny it. Uh, you know, if we deny it, we disempower ourselves. If we embrace it and learn how to manage our stress, our anger, our frustration, our anxiety, whatever it, whatever it is, then we become better leaders of ourselves. And in the second chapter, which is myself and others, um, the first part is social awareness. So being aware of what is going on around me, you know, the context in which I live, if there's social unrest, for example, or now that we have the, the crisis of COVID-19, then we have another wave of crisis, which is the global recession. We have a, another wave of crisis, which is the climate change crisis. And we have a fourth and the biggest uh, wave of crisis, which the issues the um, biodiversity collapse crisis. I mean, if that happens, then no life will exist on this planet. At least we won't exist on this planet, for sure. And, and along with a lot of other species, which is terrifying to even think about. 
So I need to know which context I'm living and working in. And in my, in my first degree in, in philosophy, one of the, the guys I studied, one of the philosophers I studied and I really was inspired by was Wittgenstein. And what I keep, like you know, three words that I keep from him is that context defines meaning. So if I know, if I'm familiar with the context in which um, I'm living and, and functioning and working in, then I will, I will draw, uh, um, I'm thinking in Greek, I will draw uh, an analogous meaning. <laughs> I just said the Greek word, <laughs> but <laughs> it sounds good in English. Um, I mean, I will, I, will <laughs> I know it exists in English too, but I was looking for something else. I mean, the, the context will shape the meaning that I draw out of my activities. And it will even inspire the meaning that I draw out of activities. It will even give me ideas or, or okay, we are going through this crisis. How can I help? How can I create positive impact? And, and like, you know, it's a common secret that crises uh, are a ground for playful um, uh, opportunities creating, playfully creating opportunities, then um, the, the context of the crisis will define what those opportunities will mean for me, how ful fulfilling they will be for me on a heart and soul level, like you said. The second part of the second chapter of emotional intelligence, just to complete what I've been saying, is relationship management, which I think is very important. Relationships with others, and for me, others is not only people, it's also other life. So there's my ecological concern, if you like. I care about people and I care about the planet as well. The context in which we're living in, you know, we're being hosted in this on this amazing planet and we're acting like, you know, we are, we are giving it permission to, to live. I mean, sometimes I think it's even absurd to sell land. I know that sounds crazy in today's context, but I mean, what, <laughs> you know, sometimes it, I, it makes me think like, why it are makes, we compare? Sorry. It, it's not crazy. It makes perfect sense. Like who, who, who is anyone to own it? I think about this often when I drive, I live in San Diego and I drive close to the border. And I'll say, we just like made, somebody just drew lines on a map and said, this is this area and this is this area and you're not allowed to go there and there. And, and when, you, when you take it to a simple place and go, that's kind of insane that there's humans and just based on where you popped out from, <laughs> you're not allowed to go to a different place is kind of crazy. And we, we've just accepted that, oh, this is my property, this is my land. Um, I mean, it benefits certain people, but it, it, I think when you say it and people don't talk about it enough, it makes a lot of sense. Um, even airspace, you want to get crazier, right? People own airspace. How is, you know, I, 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 the context of, and I love what you just said is we're hosted here, right? This is not our planet. This is not our land. This is not, it might be our life, but. If, imagine if you invited me over for dinner and I just threw my garbage on the floor and I just, you know, walked in with tear, dirty feet covered in mud, right? And I just did whatever you, you that would not be allowed. But I, I hear that as like, hey, that's the way you relate to how people are treating this earth. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and apart from airspace, think about the sea as well. Oh, you know, yeah, okay, yeah. this is the <laughs> brackets here. I watched it the other day and I really want to recommend it. There's um, 
there's a documentary on Netflix called Sea Spiracy, like conspiracy, mm-hmm. but sea, like the sea and the ocean. Oh my God. I please watch it if you haven't. Whoever's listening. Wow. Yeah. Well, space is next, space is next, right? And space. God. Never ends, does it? The micro and the macro. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll right. say another plus one just for conspiracy. It is mind blowing. And you know, Christina, to add some some weight behind what you're saying too. You know, not to spoil the story. If you've been looking at news around the world, you might know where we're going. But uh, our biodiversity is decreasing so rapidly. And I think one of the the elements that coaching can really break up is our own chosen ignorance. You know, Alex said, we draw boundaries that serve us, but for how long? Who do they truly serve? Is it us in the short term? Is it our society in the long term? And I have it that if we actually took a look outside of just the weeds that we're currently hiding in, we'd realize that so much of what we do is actually to our detriment. And this is why coaching is so essential, especially in these places. Now, Christina, you mentioned from you know the sea to even peace and politics worldwide. It sounds like there's not a single crisis that you can imagine where coaching would not be, you know, fantastically uh, impactful. Thank you, Craig. That that that's a great summary. It's true. It's true. I mean, we are um, equipped with a skill set that can positively influence anything and anyone around us. If you want to choose your niche market and your niche clients, go ahead and do that. Do what rocks your boat, but do something. And I love the phrase that you just said, our own chosen ignorance. Yes, I really believe that responsibility comes with freedom. And that relies on the premise of free will. Yes, I can choose to remain ignorant or I can choose to allow myself to awaken and take responsibility for myself as a person and as a coach. I can do amazing things as a coach and I can come together with other coaches and and multiply that impact, you know? Since we can do it, why not? We will also benefit. It's actually absurd that we are destroying our home. Like Alex said, you know, throwing trash, just to say a small example. It's like we're throwing trash in our living room. We're destroying this planet. We are destroying um, a values-driven global society, you know, money, power, deceit, corruption, all these things that make our world ugly. Why don't we take a stand or take a step to eradicate that and stand for something good, stand for peace or stand for freedom or stand for, you know, happiness, joy, and love. So simple. (laughs) We we tend to overcomplicate things (laughs) and we tend to be, you know, um, um, self-destructive in in a way that I I really cannot comprehend. Yeah. Christina, thank you. Uh, I really like that you brought in a lot of your personal touch. You know, we talked about coaching. We talked about the, the, you know, the differences coaching can make on a, on levels with people who can't necessarily afford it or wouldn't have access to it, the democratization. But we also got into a lot of things about your beliefs and the difference you want to make in the world. So thanks for actually just caring. Thanks for, um, you know, showing us. And I think 
I think it's important for coaches to see you can be successful and have a successful business and be thriving and also be giving back and be supporting all at the same time. It's not a, it's a both and, um, it's a really powerful both and conversation. So thanks for modeling that. Is there anything you want to say or leave us with before we wrap? The time has kind of flown by. Mm, it has. And thank you so much for having me. It really has been a fascinating conversation with you guys. Thank you so much. Um, closing, closing. Yeah, I will invite everybody to take a moment, stop rushing, and tune in, check in with ourselves. What are you feeling? Are you thirsty? Are you tired? Do you need a breather? Do you need a booster? What are your needs right now? Tune in with yourself, listen to your needs and respond to them. If we acknowledge our own needs and respond to them on a micro level, we will start, that, that will start happening on a macro level as well. That will create a positive, more positive culture within us and without us, you know, in, inner, inside us and outside us. It will also help us to be more resilient because we will have our needs met and have more confidence in ourselves because we will have a better relationship, better communication with ourselves, no matter the challenges that come our way. So we will boost our emotional intelligence, we will have greater balance in our lives, and we will feel more fulfilled. All that from just stopping for a moment, tuning in with ourselves, acknowledging our needs and responding to them. And please repeat that as many times as you feel is good for you. That's my it's two a beautiful, cents. Beautiful way to end. Christina Dimitriadis, thanks for being here. You can find Christina at her name. Uh, the, her name is the website. Um, and again, we'll put it in the show notes so we don't have to keep spelling it out and making it confusing if you're listening. It'll be in the show notes. You can uh, visit her, see all her social medias, all the things she's up to. And if you reach out to her, she is generously offering a free 45-minute chemistry call. I love that you call it a chemistry call. Again, so simple, but it makes so much sense. Um, so anyone, and, and on that call, you, you can talk to Christina about ways that you might be able to work together, ways that she might be able to best support you. Christina, thanks for being here. Craig, thanks for being here. Thanks for partnering with me today. Um, where do you want people to find you? Do you want them to go to your website? Do we want them to go to your social media? On over to my Instagram. You can add me and Christina both. I was talking to her earlier today. I will say a lot of good stuff and some good music as well in her story. So be sure to check her out. But Thank you for having me, Alex. Always a pleasure. And Christina, just that last experience that you shared, I can't imagine anyone who wouldn't benefit from more of that in their life. So if you are on the verge of curiosity on what other gems of wisdom Christina has to offer you, please check her out and, and sign up for that chemistry call. Um, thank you so much for just being with us and sharing that life. Greg, I want to so tell much. people. I want to tell people. Both. Yeah. I want to tell people where to find you. When you said Instagram, I just want to tell people where to go. Craig Cassie, C-R-A-I-G-C-A-S-S-E-Y Jr. is your handle. And the thing I love, you drop little tidbits of 
wisdom and gems, a lot of great stuff on sexuality and sex and um, the way we relate to it. I'm constantly seeing stuff being like, oh, that's like a really good point and just gets you to think about things differently. Um, thanks for being here. Thanks for partnering with me. Thanks for being who you are and what you're up to. I am Alex Terranova. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. And thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. And hopefully Christopher will have all of us back. And, you know, we'll see him again soon. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We'll see you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>